Welcome to the WFO Life Podcast. Buckle up for interviews, insights, and practical discussions, and the occasional intellectual oddity, all designed to help you master self, master craft, and accomplish any life mission. And welcome back to the WFO Live Podcast. Dr. William Curtis here and my co-host, Lieutenant Colonel Chris Storier in the house. And today we are going to continue our sessions on the the topic of self-mastery. We talked about that in season four, we were going to go through a series of topics, uh, but cluster them together into a group or of ideas surrounding our, our basic motto for the for our podcast, which is self-mastery or mastering self, mastering craft and accomplishing any life mission. And we've gone through several of these already since we started season four. Today, we're going to talk about the uh, the value or the principles around lifelong learning and how that applies to self-mastery. But before we get into that, Chris, how are you? Doing good. I, f- I feel like uh, in a way that I'm back in Texas because, you know, they say in Texas, if you uh, don't like the weather, just wait a minute. Yeah, and uh, that, that's the, I guess Virginia is uh, copying Texas because we've gone from like blizzard to okay weather, and then okay weather to you know it's snowing but forty degrees. So uh, so yeah, I feel like I'm either in you know Lubbock or you know Fort Worth, especially some of the places I've lived in North Texas where it can go from seventy five to you know twenty five in you know an eight hour period. So yeah, exactly. That, and and if you drive far enough, it'll be a t- completely different climate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I, I know Corpus in the last few years has had some crazy swings and y'all got a little bit of a cold front, but as you know, we grew up down there, it didn't seem like we had as many extremes, um, you know, that, uh, more on the cold side that y'all have had over the past couple winters. So that's been crazy. Yeah. It's, we've had some icy conditions in the last few weeks, which is unusual for our area, but, um, you know, we're, we're not suffering like with blizzard weather. So good times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Chris, let's get into this discussion of lifelong learning. And we were just before we got on the show, we were looking back because we've covered topics on regarding lifelong learning. In fact, we had to dig so far back. It was episode three that we actually covered uh, this topic in some detail. So, you know, as we go through this, I'll invite people that are listening. If they want, they can go back and listen to that one as well, because I'm sure this will be somewhat different, uh, but it may be some overlapping content. But we're, we're specifically trying to focus on self-mastery. Uh, what, what do you think about uh, this talk, uh, topic of lifelong learning? Well, it's interesting. Uh, like, I think I... Uh, told you via text, like um, it popped up in my professional life this week because I was receiving my uh, evaluation. And one of the things that my boss, who's a Colonel F-18 pilot, uh, about to go take a command, actually in Corpus Christi, uh, he was telling me uh, one of the things that he's seen in his career that separates kind of just somebody who's just a guy or just a girl, you know, might be, uh, with the pack or even above average. Um, what separates those folks from the heavy hitters a lot of times is what they're doing to educate themselves outside of their day-to-day job. And, and so this is like right in the swim lane of what we're talking about, because I think a lot of people, feel like for good reason um you know and that's maybe more in the mastering our craft piece but they feel like uh, especially if they have like a highly technical or i guess i'd say a high, highly cerebral job 
They feel like I can, you know, obviously your profession could be one of them. You know, you feel like you can never read enough to be up on, you know, modern uh, medical research, which is probably true. And I know that there's some, you know, enhanced methods to be able to condense a lot of that new information. But think about it. I mean, you know, if you're an engineer or even if you're a teacher in some cases, like finding time to self-educate or read in an area outside of your expertise I can see that as being a challenge, right? Um, yeah, for sure. And, and it seems like peop, a lot of people I run into think that, well, I, I, you know, I graduated, you know, high school, or I graduated. Some people graduated college, and it, that's like it ends there. Like school is the only place you learn. Yeah, uh, I don't. Well, think what I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, even people that um, are into lifelong learning, uh, like the you know the point I was kind of slowly getting to was that. Um, and the, what my boss was saying is uh, people appear to be a lot sharper and a lot of times when they're more well-rounded, you know, like their, their lifelong learning involves things outside of their profession. And so they can, you know, think more uh, quickly on their feet, you know, and speaking with people from different backgrounds or they can come up with more creative solutions you know, in their specialty because they've read and, you know, self-educated outside of their specialty, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I was talking to a friend of mine recently about, we we were talking about leadership and kind of, especially healthcare leadership and sort of climbing the ladder uh, uh, in an an organization. And we started talking about it from the idea of it's like climbing a, you know, a like a, like a rock wall, right? There's these mm-hmm. different skills that you're trying to get to and attain. And as you get those new skills, it gets you to a new level and you're, you're kind of climbing up. And sometimes it's not like a ladder. Sometimes it's, you know, kind of random and you have to make jumps. But a lot of times education and specifically trying to put yourself in a position where you have a little bit more knowledge than the average person in that same level. That's how you keep climbing and you keep, you know, hitting new levels of mastery, maybe in whatever you're trying to do. I guess it doesn't have to be in a career, but that seems like that makes the most sense. And I I just think that that concept that growth requires new information is key. If, you know, for people that are listening to this podcast, if you're looking at self-mastery, what, you know, you have to keep putting new information in to keep climbing to higher levels of you know performance or you know mastery in your job space and i think that the the more information you have the faster you grow no doubt yeah i mean and just makes you a more interesting person i think you know if you have chance encounters with um either friends, relatives, you know, coworkers from other organizations or something. Uh, I know when I come across somebody who you can tell is just, uh, you know, it, it can be something as simple as being up on current events or, uh, you know, you, you can tell when somebody is stagnating versus improving, you know, and I think this is a good topic in, in that lane. One of the things I've noticed at, in my general reading and learning. And I'm a person who reads a lot. I, I read several books, uh, you know, e- at least a book a week typically, and I'm in, in various topics. But one of the things I've noticed is I might read a book, like I'm looking around my desk right now. I've got, I've got some stuff from business, you know, Phil Knight's shoe dog. I've got never split the difference with Chris Voss, seven, uh, seven habits of highly effective people. I'm just looking around my desk, one called people first that I'm reading from uh, Amy Lafko. These are, these are all, you know, they're all different, but what happens is as I read them, I take out one thing or it spurs an idea that could be in a completely different place. 
yeah. that's that's what I think is powerful is if people feel stagnant, maybe maybe they don't feel like they're where they should be in their life, or maybe they feel like they're they're just not achieving or getting to the places they want to in their life. I, I think part of part of getting out of that is having better ideas. And those come, I think, from reading because you will be spurred in your mind, you will start to have new connections that are made. Do you ever experience that? Yeah, I mean, uh, and one thing that came up, it's kind of funny, but I think it's kind of an accepted principle now. It's, uh, you know, it's called the Peter Principle. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, but I think it's, I- it, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, um, it, it's like, um, the idea that at some point, uh, everyone will get promoted to their level of ineptitude or something, right. you know, <laughs> yes, so, yeah, yeah. So, know it was called the Peter principle. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what, I, that's what I've heard it called. I don't know. I, I'm sure so there's the Peter, like a, I'm sure there's a double entendre there, you know, with the Peter principle. I don't know what's what, what but, yeah. Peter, would you Peter out at that level? Yeah, or like, I, I, I guess. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> or maybe even more a nefarious, but, but yeah, I mean, and so, especially like in a military or other, you know, hierarchical organization, you know, uh, that what we're talking about is one way to maybe avoid that. Right. Because you're always going to get, when you get promoted or you accept a new challenge, um, you know, there's going to be, you know, cases where you haven't been um, presented with that series of challenges before or questions that, you know, maybe your subordinates have. And so I feel like this uh, lifelong learning and, you know, striving to self-educate can at least prolong, you know, that Peter principle, right? I mean, you're kind of always ready uh, for the next thing, right? You, you, you're not getting, uh, so if you have an opportunity, I feel like if you're more confident in yourself and, you know, that you're doing all the things that you need to, to, to be sharp, that if an opportunity comes, in some cases, you'd be more likely to say yes and, and and take it on, you know, if you're doing these things we're talking about today versus like sometimes, I mean, there's a lot of people, uh, we watched the movie American Underdog last night as a family, and it's about Kurt Warner, who was like a undrafted NFL quarterback that became a Hall of Famer. You know, he was literally stocking shelves at a grocery store at night at one point, even after college, and then kind of played in an arena football team and got noticed and made it to the NFL like that. Um, but, you know, it's just like one of those things. If you uh, – oh, um, he he uh, finally got to the Green Bay Packers, and um, it was like his first day of practice, and the coach looked at him and was like, hey, Warner, get in there. And he's like, hey, coach, I, I, I don't know the playbook or anything. I just got here like last night. He's like, do you, so, he's like, you want to go in or not? You know, and uh, he's like, well, I, I just need more time, coach. And then they cut him like mm-hmm. the next day because he felt like even though he worked his whole life, he second guessed, you know, what he was capable of doing. And then that was a huge lesson for him. So he, he finally, thankfully, got another shot. But, uh, you know, how many times in – you know, in our work lives, do you have an opportunity that you're like, wow, you know, I can't believe that job came available, but I just don't think I'm ready. You know, and I think that doing things like this lifelong learning and keeping that mindset that you're always ready for the next challenge uh, is important because you don't want to be that person who, you know, gets the call to go in, you know, whether it be a position or an opportunity and you're like, oh, I don't think I can do it, you know. So a future topic we're going to cover is this, it will be a concept of you know, physical fitness because, you know, in, in the, in the swim lane of self mastery. But when I think of this topic, 
when you read and when you constantly push yourself to educate, I think it's a mental or intellectual fitness that you're developing. Yeah. You know, if you have, if you don't read a lot, I can imagine that it would be a struggle to read a few pages. It's just like being like, if you go to the weight room or hit the gym and you haven't pushed iron in a while, you're going to be weaker than if you did it daily building muscle, building strength. I, the mind is the same way. It's amazing. Like I read a lot now, but if you look back to when I was in medical school, I probably read a thousand or more pages a day in various topics. And, and you know, I'm talking about over a 14, 16 hour day of studying. Yeah, yeah. And I could sit and study for that long every day. I can't do that right now. I'd go stir crazy from, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, but, but it's, it's a certain level of intellectual fitness that occurred and it's amazing what you can absorb if you put time to it. And, you know, that that's that's think of it from a fitness standpoint, I guess, is the point of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I, I know sometimes I get too much in the uh, the modern mindset of just only listening to audiobooks or only listening to podcasts. And then uh, sometimes I'll pre-order a book like I'll find out like, hey, this book's coming out in two or three months and I'll have it pre-ordered on Amazon and then it'll show up in the mail, and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, I forgot I ordered that book from, you know, that author I like." And and then it, it, I know exactly what you're saying because if I haven't been, you know, reading stuff outside of work, I've only been listening to it. It does take me, you know, probably two or three days of digging in to get back in the uh, swing of things, so I can actually crank out a chapter or something before I go to bed. Um, versus like once you get, you know, in kind of that reading habit, I mean, you can read half a book. Uh, you know, in a short period of time. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, like an exercise example, you know, you got to set time aside and, and say, you know, start with like 15 minutes, like regardless of, you know, what this book is doing for me, I'm going to, you know, dedicate 15 minutes, you know, twice a day or something until you can kind of get back in the swing of things. Right on. I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about something I think we might have talked about in the episode three, uh, in our first season of this podcast. And that's the concept of the Renaissance man. Mm -hmm. um, I like that concept. I, I'm not 100% sure I fully meet that definition, but I like to think that I'm striving to be someone who tries to increase my knowledge in broad areas. Uh, think, you know, this, um, and, and in some situations, go deep in certain areas of knowledge. Obviously, my, with my career in medicine, I ha you know, I have a certain depth of knowledge in medicine. And that has to be for my career. I have to be an expert in that area, but there's other parts of my life that I've, I've found, uh, I've started going down these roads, uh, studying a different, uh, different topics and willing to take on things. Like for instance, I have this farm and on the farm, we, we try to do natural, we try to produce animals holistically, uh, we, you know, we're constantly looking at improving our soil and rotating the cattle and doing all these kind of things at the farm to try to, to naturally make the best, you know, produce we can. That's a whole field of endeavor. I mean, it's a whole, you know, and, and I've read so far, I've got, I've got libraries of books that I've read on that topic and I try to implement them with my team at the farm. But, the, the, but what I'm getting at is that idea of the Renaissance man. Yeah. Um, and I want to say we've had a couple uh, folks we've interviewed that uh, part of the reason why we interviewed them is even though they were maybe a recognized expert in a certain field that they were Renaissance men and women, you know, and I think a lot of times you'll find that, that somebody who's really uh, successful in one area, a lot of times they have 
a, an interesting career path to get them to that point, right? Like they've tried, they've tried and succeeded and tried and failed different things. And I think now, um, in, in a lot of ways, people are too self-conscious about, uh, you know, it could be social media, it could be, you know, just access to information. It's like, you're, you're afraid to try something and fail because, you know, the world will know about it, <laughs> you know, by yeah. tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Uh, whereas I think, especially like our parents' generation, I mean, um, it seemed like there was more people that were, you know, dabbling and tinkering and in, in other things uh, around their professional life that sometimes uh, be- became a job for them, uh, you know, as things change. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, definitely a lost art. You know, you, you people specialize and, and even you look at kids sports. I mean, you know, if your kid is good in certain sports, it seems like a lot of coaches frown upon them doing anything in the offseason except for that sport. You know, right. where, where you find a lot of these like super highly successful, you know, athletes do have complementary sports that they have done in their background that makes them healthier in their sport, gives them certain skills that other players don't have. So I, I could see that it is a risk in some areas, you know, you're taken away from the main thing. But I really think that as humans, I mean, one of the things we do best is being adaptable. And right. I think, you know, tapping into that, you know, makes us healthier all the way around. Yeah, for sure. And I guess what we're chatting about is, you know, that that the idea of the Renaissance man is this learning as a way of life. You know, it's it's something that no matter what you're doing, you're constantly growing, you're constantly learning, adding to your knowledge base and and having this attitude of exploration. So so let's move on to maybe some of the things that we think are benefits of learning. So if somebody's on the fence and like, well, look, I, you know, I have limited time during the day. Maybe uh, you know, developing myself might include some, you know you know, kind of specific learning processes built into the day. Uh, One of the things I, when I think about the benefits of learning, I think about how many more opportunities people have if they have some type of education. Now, the basic would be if you just looked at a person with a high school degree versus a college degree. Now, doesn't mean a person with a high school degree could, could not have huge and amazing opportunities, but generally it's accepted that the, if you have more, more expertise or more knowledge base, uh, you know, college graduates and things like that and whatever their field is typically have some more opportunities. They have more choices uh, based on their greater depth of, you know, schooling or whatever. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at um, just the uh, the advent of, you know, I guess you'd say more prestigious institutions having uh, ongoing learning professional certificates, uh, having like an online, you know, version of their standard programs, because I think, um, you know, even like maybe five or 10 years ago, uh, if somebody was doing online classes or things like that, it, it was seen as like a, a lot of times like a way second tier way to educate yourself. Mm, but now, I mean, you look at every major university, um, you know, a lot of them don't even have, well, I mean, they have degree programs, but I, I, what I like is the professional certificate, um, emergence where, uh, because I think for most people that are there, especially if they're already in the workforce and they're trying to get better, uh, I mean, you can do like a month long, couple hours a week, um, program that is really complementary to what you're doing or what you're trying to do. And sometimes those are more well accepted than just getting a standard master's degree, MBA, you know, fill in the blank because they're like, Hey, 
Um, like in my field, supply chain and logistics, I mean, it's a huge challenge as we've seen throughout the world. So, I mean, there's some very highly recognized uh, institutions in logistics and supply chain management that have two or three tracks of professional certificates in, in very niche areas of supply chain management that the world needs right now. Right. You know, and, and I mean, and really, they're relatively inexpensive because you're not paying, you know, thousands and thousands of you know dollars because you're not going to do it over a year, year and a half. And so you think about that for like twelve or fifteen hundred bucks, if you invested in that, I mean, you essentially have an equivalent of some type of degree or certification that you can say, hey, you know, I'm going to apply for this job. And, you know, here's what separates me from the pack. So I think that's a, a great emergence that we're, we've been seeing over the past few years. Yeah, I think I think when we're another benefit of learning is just this idea that you have a chance at better solutions. Uh, the solutions being, you know, if you're if you're trying to solve problems in your workplace or at home or whatever, um, if you if you've got better, you know, if you got better knowledge, you're going to have a better ability to make better and better decisions. I think about this whenever I think about personal finance. Like that was an area for many years of my life. I don't think I was. I don't think I had educated myself enough about how money works and how, you know, the decisions, the complex decisions. And as the years have gone by, I've made it a point to try to learn more and more about that. And what I've what I've noticed is that my my decisions, my solutions for my financial issues or things that I might have now seems to be they I think they're getting better and better because I just have better information. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, I was going to say um yeah, I mean <laughs> I, I think until you uh, get to a certain phase in life, uh, I know for me, it's like you're, you're um, you know, not focused on, you know, that type of planning. And I, like you said, I think the tools are so much more accessible now. And whereas like, you know, you mentioned, you know, personal financial management. I mean, back when I first entered the professional workforce, I mean, you had to hire somebody to do that. Right. Right. I mean, for the most part, I mean, that was like the accepted thing. And, and, you know, people have success in that area, but there's like small niche areas of personal finance. So you're really not going to hire a guy or a girl to do that for you. Whereas now, I mean, you can get very professional, um, you know, access to tools and information via apps and websites and, and other things where you can do that, like on a day to day basis that you couldn't do before. You know, it's just everything is more accessible. So there's really no excuse to, you know, neglect an area, you know. One of the other benefits I've noticed over time, especially I see it in my, my medical career, I think that when we, if you have a behavior, let's call it a behavior or a habit of being a lifelong learner, I think you have a more flexible mindset. And I'm going to tie this in with, as we get into health benefits of lifelong learning, because there are some, when I see people that are successfully aging, let's talk about people that are, oh, let's call them the 75 to 85 year old range or older. Mm -hmm. You know, first off, if you get old, if you get that age and you're you're still moving around and doing well, you've won the lotto already, right? Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes I see people in those age groups that their their mind becomes very I call it rigid. And yeah. if you ask them about some if they if they encounter let's say something socially that they've seen or the news or the media, they become very stuck in the way they thought something <laughs> should be. And if you if you actually ask them, well, did you understand that? This, this issue, that issue, you try to explain something to them and they're very, very rigid in their response. 
even though you're you're giving them very clear reasons why you know you're educating them if you will about something that that maybe should change the average person's opinion about something it's interesting how rigid people can become and i think that limits your ability to make good decisions and it it's basically a sign that you've you've stopped growing and you're, you're, you are where you are and you're on the downslope, if you will, the glide slope to, to the end. Yeah. I was going to say related on that same topic. It's just the, the concept of retirement and retirement ages, I think has changed a lot. Right. And so I think some people have coached themselves mentally to say, Hey, once I get to, you know, whether it be 59 and a half or, or, you know, for some investment things or, you know, social security age, I think that they're they see a, a finish line in terms of their professional life and and therefore kind of their mental growth, right? right. And so I think um, you know as uh, I was ta- I was talking to my wife, you know, you just see some of these things where you know they've repurposed certain technology. I mean, the mRNA technology of the vaccines being one of them, where you know, like. I mean, I think in our lifetimes, and I don't know how accessible the treatment, how expensive it's going to be or it's going to be covered, but it appears like they've cracked the code on, you know, so many forms of cancer where they can repurpose your immune system to do what it already does pretty well, right? I mean, your body's all, all, always killing cancer cells. Right. Uh, but if they can code, you know, your immune system to find, to hunt out, you know, specific types of cancer cells that you already have in your body or you're predisposed to. I mean, that's like one of the major causes of death that, that almost, you know, barring a, a, you know, a few types that that may go away, you know, especially in our kids' lifetimes. So you think about just the, I, the concept of like making it to a hundred years old was so rare, you know, as we were growing up in our, in our extended families, but now, in our lifetime, it's like, Hey, if everybody, if the average age is going to move up to like 85 or 90, then I really think, you know, people need to start rethinking like where their finish line is and, 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 you know, not atrophy in this, in this mental piece of it is a huge concept because I know for me, regardless of financial, you know, needs or wants, like I, I don't ever really want to retire because I've just seen too many examples in my own family and, you know, some reading I've done that like, if you get to this concept where you're just sitting at home watching TV and waiting to die, you know, yeah. that yeah. that's that, I mean, you're, you're going to get what you are, are expecting. Right. I mean, if you get that way, so. Yeah. You know, and we talking about health benefits and especially as you age, they have studies that show that reading and working puzzles and solving problems actually improves cognition and memory. Yeah. So, so like a lot of times I've like seen people when they, yeah, it just, exactly. It's the fit, uh, mental fitness. And I've seen people that retired, you know, my career has been long enough. I've seen people retire 20 years ago and I've seen what happens to them over, you know, 10 years, 15 years after retirement. Oh yeah. And you can see them just year after year after year, slowly, and but progressively just get stuck. It's more exponential where, than it should be, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like this guy used to be, you know, bright and he's working, he's got productivity and all these things. And then you see them and they, you know, what do you do? Well, I pretty much just watch TV, you know? Yeah. It's like, wow. It's like you're you're only sixty eight years old and you're otherwise good health, but that's all you do. Do you do anything yeah. else? Any hobbies? No, no hobbies. No. It's just like it's just switched off. And you know, 
there are health benefits to doing this. So if, if you haven't been working your mind, start, do it, work puzzles, work crossword puzzles, read. It also improves, and really it's the same topic, but it improves this concept of brain elasticity or plasticity. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I know when I was in medical school, there was this kind of concept. There's this concept that if you injured your brain or if something happened to your brain, it was sort of a fixed thing. Like it was, it was broken and it can never be fixed. It's got a dead part to it. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you had a stroke or you had some speech problems after a brain injury, a, a traumatic brain injury or something, that's just the way it is. Yeah. It's never going to get better. Yeah. But actually now it's very widely accepted that the brain is plastic. It changes and everything, every new stimulus, every new input you put into the brain, whether that be a social experience, a conversation, a physical task, like working out or writing or, or reading and something intellectual like that, everything that you do causes new neurons to form and connect with each other and Mm -hmm. connect with each other in novel ways. So let's say that you have uh, something that you're not good at or something that maybe you did have. Let's say I see people with a brain injury, right? That they might have hit an area and they have trouble with, uh, you know, reading or something like that. Well, actually, the more you do that, the brain will find a new way to gather that information and bring it in. And it's called plasticity. This also happens as we age. As we age, you have connections in the brain that become very, very... Um, it's like a, it's a path that you're traveling as, you know, the same signal goes down the same pathway because you do the same thing every time, like habits, right? Yeah. Well, what happens is as you expand your connections, these little, these little new connections that you made with new information or things you're studying or reading or learning about that actually creates new connections and new possibilities in the brain because it's plastic. And there's, and I just think that's a great concept. And it's partially why when I was talking about as people age, that they become rigid. That's the reason, because if you don't have new connections made, then you're stuck with the same path over and over and over the same behaviors in the same situations, despite the information that's out there that you could have learned or added to your repertoire. Yeah. I I was going to say, I think one of the cool things about that point that you're making, you know, with evidence is that. You know, whether it be just physical or just mental, there's a lot of things that always track along those same lines. I mean, you think about, you know, when you get any type of injury, like your body tends to compensate, you know, right? I mean, so, I mean, like there's, if you have heart blockages, it's always like amazing. You know, I've had family members where they're like, you know, other parts of their heart have like taken over, you know, to, to handle the blood flow. And then you're like, Hey, I start by the time you have symptoms, sometimes there's like an 80 or 90% blockage in one area of your heart. But they're like, Hey, all these other areas have like, you know, uh, up the capacity, you know, to make sure that you're not, you know, going to pass out. Uh, and, and so, I mean, there's so many mental and physical examples of our body that only now that we're really understanding the mechanism, but it's just like your immune system being controlled by stress or lack thereof, right? I mean, you know, they talked about, they did a study on, you know, especially the COVID-19, you know, uh, unfortunate hysteria that's taken a lot of people by storm. And it's like, you know, it's like the, the more stressed out people are in general and they think it's been fueled, the anxiety has been fueled by, you know, all the paranoia, you know, around this pandemic. Uh, 
it's like, you know, the better state that you're in mentally or physically going into any situation, you know, the better you're going to be coming out the other side or dealing with it, you know, so it should be no uh, big mystery that, uh, you know, now there's, you know, data showing, hey, you know, if you exercise your mind more, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're getting up in age, your, your body will be able to form new pathways and make you more healthy as you age, you know, so I think, um, this topic is critical to a lot of people, especially if you're more predisposed to any kind of, um, you know, mental decline that sometimes is a hereditary, you know, dementia and some of these other things mm-hmm. run, mm-hmm. you know, in bloodlines. And so if you, especially if you already know that, you know, you can be more diligent and say, Hey, I don't have to accept this fate. I can do things. I can make choices that uh, make me more resilient to deal with it. Right on. So when we talk about learning, we've, we've said reading a lot, but I want, I want our listeners to understand that learning can come in many, many ways. I think that you can learn from reading, of course, from watching even television, things like that. You re, uh, but you can also – things that sometimes people don't think about would be traveling. I, I, I know that when I travel in, and I'm involved with other cultures, um, I see how other people live, their habits, things like that. That is an education as well. It's a social education. And there's tons of social activities that and, – and just having conversation with people – you know, one of the things that got us started down this road of doing podcasts is our conversations. I, you know, you know, years ago, and we just sit around and we're we're having a beer, or just hanging out and talking. I got so much out of those conversations that I thought we need to do this more formally, you know, and just yeah. kind of start talking. People about would it. listen in and be like, "Hey, this is a pretty interesting talk. Y'all should, uh, you know, yeah, do yeah. something with it." You yeah, know? <laughs> it's funny, but you know, I, I I talk to you know my friends locally and and people that I'm close with, and and it's so amazing to talk to those people. And you can learn about yourself. You can also, I think that there's other types of learning and, you know, we we won't get into all of these, but like social activities, you can also have, and I believe this is one of our topics coming up on emotional IQ. You can actually raise your emotional intelligence by, by communicating with other people and expressing ideas, um, listening, you know, the, the, the skill of listening is a social activity that helps you learn. There's so many things in that, that lane that don't have anything to do with reading. It, it, it's, it's more about, you know, getting out and, and interacting with other people around you, seeing how things, uh, seeing thing, how things work in other communities. Yeah. I was going to say one of the things that, that, that really got back, I guess, into, fashion with the pandemic with people either not being able to find flights or not wanting to fly, you know, in a a tube with other potentially sick people um, is like taking road trips when you have the opportunity versus always flying places. Right. I know, you know, us have being a family of five with a 110 pound dog, sometimes like a road, (laughs) sometimes a road trip is the only uh, um, way we can do it. And so like we had some time, between duty stations and so you know as you know i think we talked i don't think we did like a show on or anything but you know we drove from philadelphia all the way to montana down through yellowstone back through colorado and back and so i know just um having more i mean we had somewhat of a timeline but it wasn't like very rigid you know, because obviously when you book hotels, it's pretty easy to shift it one day to the left or right. Uh, and so we I think having a free form kind of road trip and stopping when you want to stop and see something interesting, like a historical marker or you're like, oh, I forgot this was here. And, yeah. you know, you take like an hour detour to go see some, you know, natural site and take a hike. Um, 
you know, so we took the better part of two weeks, uh, you know, driving and, you know, the way we did it, nobody, you know, was like super sick of the car. And, you know, my kids were, you know, nine, 11 and 13. And, uh, so they, I mean, never got, Oh my God, are we there yet? Too bad because we were just like, we were going, we purposely took a route that we had never taken before. Um, we've been, you know, all of us went to States we hadn't been to before. Um, and so something as simple as that, and, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, prohibitively expensive, you know, versus like going to Hawaii with the whole family or even going to Disney world and doing something super commercial. I mean, gas is a little bit more expensive, but when you talk about, you know, the destination themselves were not that expensive. So, I mean, the value I think we got out of seeing a, a lot of parts of the country and sites and being out in the wilderness um, was a huge learning, you know, on all of our parts. So, you know, take a road trip when you get a chance. Yeah. Griswold family, <laughs> family vacation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah forced, uh, forced fun. Well, yeah. yeah. For the you yeah. will have fun. You will enjoy it. <laughs> That's right. So let's uh, close by covering some of our favorite learning um, outlets, if you will. Right. Cool. You want to start that out? Yeah, I know uh, one of the things that I was able to to do in the past year um, was take uh, it. It was around the. It's like kind of the same lines I was talking about earlier with with universities, but it's even I think more accessible. And uh, they're like the one I use was called Coursera. Okay, and and um, this one was free. I'm not sure if like the volunteer organization that I found out about it through had paid anything for it, but I know some were free or very cheap, but this was a course on, it was all about positive psychology and, you know, emotional intelligence type topics. Mm -hmm. And, um, and really it was, it was like a self-discovery. It was us trying to learn because, you know, everybody, and I think psychology in general developed as a way to deal with like people's ailments, right? Psychology has always been almost, uh, you know, we heard positive psychology. I was like, oh, is this just like, you know, being positive? And it's like, well, it's, it's bigger than that. It's more like, you know, finding out what makes you tick and what your strengths are, um, so that it can support, you know, challenging things that you have to deal with or understand more about yourself versus going to psychology for, you know, oh, I'm at the point I have anxiety, I have stress, I have some other, you know, disorders. It's like, you know, the flip side of it. So Coursera was just an online website and this was taught by University of Pennsylvania staff. So, I mean, you know, high level, uh, Ivy League level, you know, background people, you know, teaching a class that was free or very inexpensive. And the, the other one that's like related to it, I haven't had an iPhone in a while, but I know when I had one before, they had this whole iTunes University where yes. you could actually, yeah, you could, they probably still have some form of it, I'm sure. But I mean, they had like Harvard and MIT classes that you could watch and it was very digestible. It had almost the whole syllabus. And you could watch it and you could watch the entire semester of classes and lectures, you know, at an institution like that for free, you know, or very inexpensive with your like, you know, monthly membership. And I was like, um, you know, regardless if you're going to get, you know, hard paper proof out of it, I mean, just developing, you know, who you are uh, and making you more well-rounded um, and, and something that would have been previously inaccessible, I think was a really cool discovery that, that I've had. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you're basically talking about workshops, seminars, online classes. There's tons of this stuff out there. A lot of it's free. Yeah. And, you know, it, there's, there's, it doesn't have to be a barrier, you know, cost barrier. You know, you can, you know, go to public libraries and get, you know, information as well. But the internet and, and the things that you can learn there, you know, it's obvious. I mean, YouTube and, and, uh, you know, online education sites, there's a ton of them out there. You know, obviously near and dear to my heart is, is podcasting. Uh, you know, I think there's a, you know, there's a lot of junk out there, but there's a lot of quality podcasts. Uh, I'd like to think that people listen to this. Uh, probably some of it's educational for them. And there's there's tons of high quality podcasts. We've mentioned them. I know in episode three, we talked about some of our favorites there. Another thing that I like that's sort of something you listen or consume is documentaries. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a ton of those out there. And I, I get mine from... I probably from like Netflix and things like that. There's some really good documentaries out there. Um, yeah. And and those are really eye-opening and kind of expand your horizons quite a bit. And, you know, it's easy. It's inexpensive. What else? Have, uh, what other things have you seen that uh, work as far as? Life yeah, I'm, I was going to say piggyback on the documentaries thing. I know I've enjoyed documentaries that I just, I mean, in topics that I didn't think I would like. I mean, um, I can't think of the name of it. Um, but it's really simple, but it was a documentary about the guy who uh, walked across uh, a tightrope in, you know, buildings in downtown New York City. Um, and, and it was like one of the, you know, craziest feats and um, kind of did it uh, on his own. One of those where by the time he's doing it, I mean, they're not going to arrest him when he's like, you know, 20 floors up uh, between two <laughs> buildings. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and then uh, my son and I watched one where a guy tried to climb all the highest peaks in the world um, in the shortest time ever, like a world record for climbing in it. And Everest was just like one on the list. Wow. I mean, it, it was like, I mean, the guy, um, you know, grew up in Nepal or something. Um, he had been in the, the military, uh, but you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to watch a dude, you know, almost kill himself climbing up a mountain. Uh, but it was more about the mindset and all the things and the the crew really that's required because like, you know, he was using you know, guides from those areas because he had climbed a couple of them before, but you know, one, you know, you can't just take the same crew and, and cause some of them were scattered, you know, uh, hours and hour, you know, plane flights apart. And he did it over a six or eight month period. And so just all the coordination and, uh, the mindset that it takes uh, physically and mentally to just do things that some people, you know, will train and, and plan for a good chunk of their lives and do one of them. And he did like seven or eight, you know, over 30,000 feet, you know, mountain climbs in six or eight months. And, uh, you know, we just got engrossed in this guy, you know, trying to just survive, much less, you know, the feat of even putting that as a goal. So, so yeah, I mean, don't uh, I, I guess my point on that is don't limit your topics because sometimes uh, even if it's out of your you know comfort zone or something you're not interested in you're like wow I mean you know anything that somebody is gonna you know risk their life and try to master I mean there's always cool lessons learned in, in that uh, you know documentary absolutely um, I think also don't overlook social groups there's there's tons of social groups and clubs even gyms that you can you can learn from you can whether it be some type of specific skill set i know a lot of community colleges have you know kind of 
welding classes and, you know, different things that you could do, uh, craft type things. Uh, and some of them can be just fun. It's okay just to go have fun, but always expanding. And again, getting that social aspect, as we talked about earlier uh, with your learning. I think also hobbies. I, hobbies are, you know, one of the concepts, and I think I got this from Eric Davis. I'll give him props for this, but this concept of having margin in your life, mm-hmm. when you're growing and learning and working day after day, trying to build a career, one of the things that's important is to purposefully unplug from that periodically. Yeah, no doubt. And hobbies help you do that. It doesn't really matter what it is as long as it's something you enjoy. It doesn't hurt yourself and you're not hurting other people. Um, but but hobbies are something where you can you can you can uns- you can switch the brain off from its typical task and turn over to something hopefully pleasurable that you enjoy doing. And that allows your subconscious mind to work on your problems while you're not thinking about them. And I find that, and and Eric explained this in the programs I've worked with with him, is that when you unplug, you often come back with better solutions. So hobbies are definitely a place that you can learn. And I don't believe they're a waste of time as long as they're done within the scope of, uh, you know, you don't always have to be working all the time. There is a value in downtime. So competitive eating probably wouldn't be a good hobby to choose, right? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Probably not. not. (laughs) Obviously, uh, uh, you know, books, magazines, blog feeds, these are also places you can learn. I know we're both big fans of audiobooks. I probably consume one audiobook a week in in, in top of what I'm, you know, what I'm reading. And, you know, that kind of rounds out the ones I think we typically use. Any others you can think of that, you know, would be good for our Mm -hmm. listeners to consider for areas they can include as lifelong learning? Um, one of the things I'd say is just maybe volunteering, um, mm. you know, um, yeah, and, um, and I think that sometimes people, uh, I know me included have maybe a slanted version of like, does that mean, you know, the only thing I can do is like go to, uh, you know, volunteer to feed homeless people or volunteer to go spend time with the, you know, uh, people at the retirement homes. I mean, those are like maybe traditional examples, but I know from personal experience, I mean, there's a huge gap in just mentoring, you know, using your time and your experience to, to talk to young people, talk to college age kids. There's all different types of organizations that, you know, channel your experience into helping uh, a mentoring gap and a positive role model gap. I mean, I think the Boys and Girls Club is probably one of the ones that has been around the longest. You know, YMCA has some programs. Uh, but yeah, just uh, be open to, to searching for uh, volunteer opportunities because, you know, sometimes that really helps you mentally and physically with things you're dealing with because it, it's almost impossible if you're focused uh, for genuine reasons on helping other people that you get too ra- or you stay too wrapped up in your own BS. It's almost like the idea we've talked about gratitude, right? When you're uh, mindful and thankful of the things that you do have, it kind of puts all the the little things that might be bothering you in perspective, right? I mean, yeah, so I think the sure. same thing happens with with volunteering and mentoring. Is like, you know, it's hard to say what was me when you go to talk to kids that you know, have no positive adult role models in their life. Like both their parents are, um, 
you know, maybe they already have a single parent situation and their one single parent, you know, has substance abuse problems. And so their grandparents, you know, raise them half the time and you're like filling the gap that they have and just having a positive adult role model that's not, you know, a grandparent or something. So, so I think volunteering, you know, uh, even though it seems counterintuitive, uh, I know it's helped me uh, more than I realized. I was like, oh, I want to help other people. But, you know, in roundabout way, you, you find that you kind of get lost in, you know, the, the BS you're dealing with and you're, you're focusing on, um, you know, that, that positive energy that you're creating. It's well said, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I guess as we wrap this up, uh, this topic has been on the value of lifelong learning. And specifically, we applied this to the concept of self-mastery. And again, this is an ongoing series that we are um, putting out for our listeners on the WFO Life podcast. If this has been valuable for you or you think that this would be helpful for other people to hear, please share this with your friends, family, uh, coworkers. You know, we're on all the major outlets like iTunes and Stitcher and all the different podcast forums. And so it would really help us a lot if you would share this message. And of course, uh, apparently the algorithms require that, you know, we get people to, you know, get, leave comments and, you know, give ratings for our show. So if you, if you really like what you're hearing, please do that. It really helps us spread our message to other people. And if you'd like to connect with us, please uh, go ahead and click on the link in our show notes. And there's a link for the Future Focus Health Network, which is where we have a tribe for the WFO podcast listeners. We're always there somewhere in the ether, uh, answering questions, chatting with people. Sometimes we put exclusive content there. So uh, we'd love to hear from you, especially if you like some of the episodes and if you want some of our exclusive content there. Uh, it's all good, and we'd love to meet with you there. So, Chris, let's end on that note, and you have a great week, and I look forward to chatting with you again. Sounds great. You as well.